Coast, and a great day to you wherever and whenever you may be listening. My name is Jason Dias, broadcasting and podcasting live from the studio of EloquentOnline.net in beautiful New Braunfels, Texas, Republic thereof. This is the Power Performance Podcast, the show that asks the question, if your brand were a band, would you leave the audience wanting more? And what if your brand hadn't had the curtains go up yet, a brand new Brand. Well, that's what we're talking about today. Keith Costello and Corey LeBlanc are going to be joining me. They're putting together a brand new bank, and I think it is the perfect time to be doing this. We've talked about it on the, on the show several times before, but in case you haven't heard, um, I believe in something called the Strauss-Howe generational theory, and you may have heard it called different variations of different historical concepts. And you should know I'm not a financial person. I've had a career in banking, but I don't have a degree in economics or finance or accounting. I'm a historian. I love American history. And this Strauss-Howe theory only applies to a free market republic, so America. And so every 80 years or so, there is this cataclysmic shift in American history that changes things for the next foreseeable future. We have the American Revolution. 80 years later, we have the Civil War. 80 years later, we have World War II. And 80 years later, you guessed it, COVID-19. These moments of historical inflection that change in a compressed period of time, life as we know it. People argue, are we going back to normal, the new normal, whatever you want to call it. At the fourth turning, this is the fourth time we've had four of these, this is the fourth turning or the first fourth turning, I believe it is going to usher in an era of uh, time that favors the bold because it always has. After the American Revolution, the people that were bold enough to go off into the Ohio River Valley and the places beyond the 13 colonies staked their claim to all of this land. After the Civil War, the Pacific Ocean was the goal. Let's go west as far as we can. After World War II, people left the cities and farms and moved into these things that we didn't even know what to call them, so we settled on suburbs. And after COVID-19, there is another mask, mass, mask, there's a Freudian slip, mass migration of people. And in many cases, they are leaving cold northern states for the states of Texas, Tennessee, and Florida. Florida, to me, is the new, euphemistically speaking, gold rush state, the way California was many years ago, the way Texas still is in many ways to this day. But right now, all of the, all of the commerce and financial heft that is in many ways still located in New York City and in that New England corridor is starting to make its way down to a place where you can actually go golfing 12 months out of the year, where there is tremendous energy, where you have everything people could want. And of course, in that environment, Keith and Corey are starting a new bank with the lessons of COVID-19 built into them. And that's why I think it's such a fascinating time to talk about this. You'll hear me say in the interview, I believe, you know, when you design this bank of the future, it's not going to have a 30-foot-long marble counter for 20 tellers. 
to work at. I've worked at a bank that had one of those. The, the banking brand that I bank with here in New Braunfels, you can still see remnants of that. Well, in this new imagined bank, the locality bank, Keith and Corey and their team are going to leverage the most important variable in business, and that is locality. Think about it. Regardless of generation, regardless of what industry you're in, regardless of where you live, if you need gas, groceries, clothing, where you go to church, where you go to school, it is very likely that those things happen within a 10-mile radius of where you wake up and where you go to bed at night. History hasn't changed that. World wars haven't changed that. COVID-19 isn't going to change that. But it is changing where people find their locality for their families and their businesses. And COVID-19 taught a lot of people that there was a gap in the banking marketplace for small and medium-sized businesses. When you were a small and medium-sized business and went into Bank of America last year and said, hey, I need to apply for one of those um, PPP loans, the guy working at Bank of America said, "I, I, I don't know what I'm doing here. I don't know how to do those. A lot of people found refuge at smaller community bank brands. And again, history is you can change with it or you can get changed by it. And so Keith and Corey and their team are changing with it, with a new banking brand, and we're going to talk to them about it, and we're going to do it all right after this. For over 11 years, conference quality information without the expense report. This is the Power Performance Podcast. His name is Keith Costello. He's the Chief Executive Officer, and his name is Corey LeBlanc, the Chief Operating Officer. Hey, gentlemen, welcome to the show. Thank you. Glad to be here. Hey, thanks oh, for having us. Hey, very good. Thank you. Keith started by telling me that he has actually opened another banking brand in South Florida, and it, too, was at a very, very difficult time in American financial history. So let me, uh, let me just say, if I could, one thing, which is that I started another bank here in South Florida back in 2009. So this is the second time I'm doing this. Wow. Um, we started that one and then sold it. And, um, you know, so that was another time of crisis. As you remember, 2009 was the, right. uh, you know, the Great Recession. And so Recession. this time is, is quite a bit like that. Um, in terms of, of with the pandemic and everything else that's going on. So uh, we saw that with the, the PPP program and, and small businesses not being able to get financing. And so that's where really the genesis of this idea came from was that we needed more community banks. And then the other part of the idea is we needed more, te- more technology, really, than, than the usual community bank starts with. So that's our premise. And so when we, we have filed for FDIC insurance and we filed for a state bank charter in the state of Florida, so that process generally takes, if everything goes perfect, about five months uh, mm-hmm. to get the approval. So we filed on St. Patrick's Day because we thought that would be lucky. <laughs> and, and I am I'm Irish, too, so that uh, sentimentally I, I thought that would be a good day. And so we're, uh, we're looking to open, hopefully, or, or at least get those approvals somewhere around August, uh, September timeframe, 
and then be able to open up uh, shortly after that. So if the luck of the Irish plays out, they will have those doors open and that ribbon cut by the end of 2021. Next, I asked Corey LeBlanc about the building itself, because they are going to have an office. But I said it's probably not going to have a 30-foot marble teller counter with the velvet rope lines. This is going to be digital first, correct? That's right. Yeah, no, so really no tellers. We're, we're not going to have your yeah. traditional bank branch. We're going to have an office, but we're not going to have a branch where people come in and have to operate, you know, in the physical sense. We're really going to try to bring the bank to them more so, right, instead of having to make them come to us and really more so getting that capital allocation to them at times that they need it the most, right, and help them manage cash flow and all of those things. And we felt that a digital-first approach, particularly in the environment we're, we're dealing with right now, was much more ideal for the customer, much less the bank, right? But we also think there's tons of advantages for the bank as well uh, in the way that we can grow and scale appropriately for, for the businesses that we support. As I've said many times on this show, the interview that you hear is a small portion of the overall conversation. But I want to stop here for a second and say there's something very charming that I, that I find about the sounds you hear in the background. Um, we've got two gentlemen, one in Louisiana, one in Florida. Their PR person is listening in. And you can just tell by the activity in the background they're doing Things. They're not just sitting there looking at their social media feed. They're, they're busy working and living. I don't know. I found that very, very charming. Next, I asked Keith about the, what we went through last year with the PPP and all that stuff. I'm convinced that without community banks figuring out that SBA program, this entire economy may have collapsed. And I asked him if he agreed with that. I definitely agree with that. I mean, we saw that, we saw that here. Uh, dramatically, and and when again, when we looked at what 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 one of the reasons for this, as we studied the market here, and it's probably the same in, throughout the country, we found that over the last five years, so Broward County, Florida, is about two million people, and that's mm-hmm. where Fort Lauderdale is located. Uh, so we went from having eleven community banks with eleven billion dollars in assets in in uh, 2015 down to just two banks mm, with wow. about $600 million of assets. So that's like a 90, if you look at the asset size, that's a 94% decrease. And so a lot of the reasons we were seeing that small businesses were having a hard time with this PPP program was that they were not able to get the attention of the larger banks. The larger banks are really focused on the larger customers. And traditionally, Community banks have always taken care of the small local businesses. Uh, so that's what we saw. And then the other part was, as Corey was saying, was the technology wasn't there. So the community banks were digging in, trying to get these things done, but they were working 24-7, uh, you know, using paperwork, doing it by hand, the old-fashioned way. And they were killing themselves, but they were taking care of the customers, but it wasn't efficient. And that was why when we, we said we're, we're going to do another community bank, we're not going to do it the way we did it in 2009. Two weeks ago, I dumped over 1,000 connections on LinkedIn and started my LinkedIn presence over again. My feed had turned into garbage, affirmations, political stuff, quotes and pictures I'd seen a thousand times. So I just wanted to start over with people that I had actually met, people that I actually knew were doing things. And it turned out that Keith and Corey actually got together on LinkedIn. 
but Keith actually reached out to me on LinkedIn. Uh, so shout out to LinkedIn and, and a good marketing employee there. It actually works, right? So he, he reached out and, and sent me a message and said, hey, I'd love to talk to you about this idea of creating a digital first community bank focused on small and medium-sized business. And, and I know that I'd been on a couple podcasts and, and different interviews and conversations around the value of the small business market to the economies or the local economies specifically and how community banks were playing an instrumental role there. And so as we started to talk a little more formally, which, which actually I would have probably ignored the conversation entirely because you, you do get a little bit of spam there, so a little bit of a downside to LinkedIn right. piece. But uh, my wife, uh, who is, is way smarter than me and, and much better at, at keeping connected, because as, as you would imagine, I'm an IT nerd. I can be somewhat of an introvert. Uh, of course, <laughs> so I reached out to Pete and had the conversation around ideas, and, and what he told me was that, you know, I don't want to go be this just national brand and serve it in a digital sense just for the sake of digital. I want to do so specifically to focus on communities and how we can empower these businesses to be successful. And that connected with me so much. And, you know, for me, it was about how can we do something that was significant. And so I was on board right away. And as you point out in the SBA, then PPP pieces, you know, the local institutions are going to be instrumental, right, because they're, in, they're instrumental in the communities just like the businesses are. And there was a ton of stories that already existed where, you know, these businesses actually went to other institutions, large institutions, and kind of had to turn away because they weren't getting the process either committed or approved in the time frame they needed, or in some cases, they were turned away altogether. And so in order to save the right. business, they really looked. And so as the IT guy, right, i got to bring data into every conversation. We started looking at the data. And, you know, to your point where you're saying that community banks made a, a major impact, it showed, right, there was this large, disproportionately large share of the lending to small businesses, particularly the small businesses, right, as defined by the SBA, during the PPP right. process in 2020. And so this really wasn't a surprise to us community bankers or probably to a lot of people in the space that really evaluated is, you know, we, we've always pride ourselves, like Keith was saying, on these long-term relationships or, you know, being strong community or small business advocates. But I think really kind of came down to being specialized in this knowledge of local markets and the businesses and, and the, specifically the customers, right, that we were working with. And in the interviews that we started to have, we realized really quickly that if, if we didn't just take this you know, digital piece and try to push out it for the sake of technology, but truly start trying to align services that met with creating personalized relationships, because that's something that we think is a little bit confused, right, is that people think personalized relationships have to be physical, and that's not true. Exactly. They can actually that be cultivated digitally. And, of course, the objective, the culture, the mission, it's in the name, the locality bank. The focus is going to be on small and medium-sized local businesses. So our culture really is all about empowering uh, those small and medium-sized businesses to maximize their potential. And doing that, and that's our mission statement, by the way, which I think really resonates for me about what, what we're really all about. So that could mean a, a number of different things. It can mean lending, which will be one of the areas that we make money on, but it's also going to mean offering other resources, helping these small business owners with understanding their business better, helping them understand their cash flow, working with them. Some of them may want to come in, like, as Corey said, we're going to have an office. We're not going to have uh, tons of branches, but we will have a location for people who want to 
sit down and talk because some people still like to do that. But we'll also be able to do that. I think business people always will. I think business people will always want that, to be able to sit down and talk. That. I, I love that aspect of that. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but I do no, love that part. No, but that's, that's, that's true. And, it's, and so we're just going to have a little, a little office. It's 2,300 square feet. But right across the street is like the coolest, one of the coolest restaurants in Fort Lauderdale. So <laughs> it's like if people, we're not going to build like a big, well, uh, if, you know, conference if you, room. If you, ever, in, if you ever invite one of your friends who hosted a podcast with you to Florida, please keep me in mind. It does sound wonderful. It does sound wonderful. You have an open invitation, Jason. So anytime you want to come. And, of course, this next part will sound a bit partisan depending on where you fall on that spectrum. But you will recall when Florida basically said, hey, we're reopening this state when many other states were still shut down, locked down, like Michigan, which is experiencing the worst of the pandemic. Still, everyone said, oh, no, Florida is going to destroy itself. And it didn't, did not trust the science people, and people are pouring into the state of Florida. That trend started before COVID-19, but it is really going on in earnest now. There's something happening down in Florida, isn't there, Corey? No, absolutely. You know, we're seeing that, you know, in Florida and a few other places, people are starting, especially as, as things are starting to get to more of this, you know, work from home. Uh, people aren't necessarily tied to specific cities or jobs like they were before. We're definitely seeing an influx, and there's also some good data that shows that with that is going to come, you know, somewhat of a, another flood or potentially this emergence of new business opportunities for people to come mm-hmm. in and start to create business. And we are excited about being a part of that journey with them. And I know Keith has been in that. So I'm, I'm a Louisiana guy. I'm actually still in North Louisiana. But Keith has been in South Florida for, for a long time and working in banking. And, and I know he can speak to it really, really well. Yeah, there's a lot of people coming here. There's a lot going on, particularly in the technology sector. You're seeing a lot of tech companies relocate. Miami's really exciting. Miami's only, for people who don't know on your podcast, Miami's very close to Fort Lauderdale, like 30 miles away. So the South Florida area is almost like a region between Palm Beach, uh, Fort Lauderdale, and Miami. It's a very kind of close region, and there's a lot of interconnecting businesses. So the whole area, and those will be our secondary areas as well that will serve so the whole area is really getting a lot of uh, momentum as people, particularly out of New York, but we're also getting some from California. Uh, Pete Thiel uh, of the PayPal Mafia just moved uh, to an office to <laughs> South Beach. Um, others others are, are doing so, you know, uh, hedge fund managers moving to Miami. So there's just a lot, a lot going on. And, you know, in the small business, really, those we're not trying to bank hedge funds or, or, or Pete Thiel, but... Uh, we will be, there'll be going to be a lot of uh, the ancillary growth among the small, medium-sized local businesses, which are really our targeted audience. Well, folks, the mission of this brand, it's in the name, the Locality Bank, and both Keith and Corey have a really solid handle on why it's so important to have access to local, community-based financial assets and decisions and capital and i'm looking forward to tracking the progress of the locality bank and i thank keith and corey for joining us on the power performance podcast thanks jason appreciate it
Well, of course, it's typical for us to ask our guests, you know, just fun questions. And so I had to do these off the air because we were really running up against it time-wise. But I asked Keith and Corey, and I even brought up their crack PR guru who was listening in on the call about their first concerts. And Keith said his first concert was Joe Cocker up in Albany, New York. Corey told me that his first concert was a rap group called UKG, and they never showed up. So his first concert was not a concert, which I found very funny because I once went to the Texas Jam and Ozzy Osbourne was opening. He walked out, said a few things, mumbled a few things, and fell over, passed out, stone called drunk. So we didn't see him perform either. He didn't really show up for that concert either. So Corey LeBlanc's first concert was supposed to be UKG, uh, U, U, yeah, UGK, a rap group, uh, and he didn't make it. And, uh, and then uh, Amy Adler, their crack PR guru, told me that her first concert was with her parents, a, a band called J. Black and the Americans. And so I said, you know, you've all mentioned bands that I, I don't really know. But Keith also told me about the last concert that he went to. And finally, it was a band that I had absolutely heard of. So that was the Rolling Stones in Miami. And you can hear in Keith's voice right there what we talked about last week on this show, this this desire to get back to those kinds of moments, the, the live concerts and being, you know, elbow to elbow with people, enjoying live music. As I've said many times on the program since COVID-19, there is a gaping hole in the American culture when there's no community theater, live musical concerts going on. And the sooner we get back to that the better. Well, if you're a smaller, medium-sized business down in Broward County, help is on the way. If you've been looking for a great digital and personal banking services, you heard Keith say it. Hey, maybe by the end of this year, you can start your relationship with the locality bank. My name is Jason Dias. I want to thank you so much for listening to the Power Performance Podcast, the show that asks the question, if your brand were a band, would you leave the audience wanting more? Until next week, speak. we'll talk to you all next week, and let's get on out of here with the Rolling Stones. Take care. Watch it.